do. I do, gang. Darren Clarkson here, Darren Clarkson podcast. Right, we know straight into it, no introductions today, none at all. I've had a few new listeners, and uh, that's quite nice, isn't it? And I've had a few people leave because they get bored of my Yorkshire drivel, and that's also alright. You know, we don't have to listen to insane mad Yorkshiremen that look a bit like homeless Santas that rattle on into the ether. Right, what we're we talking about today. As you know, most of these podcasts, if not all of these podcasts, <coughs> excuse me, are about whitewater kayaking because that's what I am, whitewater kayaker. But uh, this one's a bit different. This one's going to be about left foot, right foot, and a bit of kayaking, but it's, it's going to be about left foot, right foot, and uh, one step at a time and a bit of running. Now, people will know. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that ever so often I talk about running. I took I took running up in lockdown, and uh, I struggled to do like 500 meters before I curled up in a fetal position and cried like a baby. And then slowly but surely I plugged away at it and plugged away at it and plugged away at it, and I could do 5k. And 5k is quite nice, isn't it? You know, we have park runs. Never been to a park run at all, and uh, I signed up once to a park run, thinking I should do it. And then the idea of being surrounded by a load of people uh, on a weekend morning didn't appeal to me at all. So I never did. And I get emails on a weekly basis from Parkrun saying, hey, look about your next Parkrun. And I'm really not. So I, I never did Parkrun or 5K. And anyway, I slowly plumbed away. And I went from 5K, 10K. I remember I did a podcast interview over lockdown with Niall Stone, and I'd just come back off an 11k run, and I was all ecstatic in the interview. I remember it well. Anyway, I plugged away, plugged away. Uh, went, managed to get to half marathon, which was pretty nice. And I kept going and kept going. And then, well, not so much of a time, really, not that long ago, I got up to 50k. And that was, like, crossing the Rubicon, or so I thought. Uh, 50k of blood, sweat, tears, and sugary foods, eating like a five-year-old. And then I signed up to 100k because my mate Nick uh, said, let's sign up to 100k. And he'd signed up for it. And uh, when I went on the website of the uh, event company, the event company was pretty clever. And it used to uh, know where you were, it knows where you are in the UK. So uh, the algorithm and obviously knowing your locations, it signed me up to a different 100k. So his was down south somewhere, whereas mine was up north. The rest of the castle at Bamber. 100k one day. The event was cancelled and I heard the news that it was cancelled while I was out on a training run. I did a 55k training run. Uh, and that's not defeated me that day. Uh, after the 55k I felt really flat. But a few weeks ago I went out and I did 100k uh, running around St Aidan's in Leeds. Excuse me. And that was alright that. I did it for Macmillan. There's some money. Macmillan, uh, for Macmillan Cancer Care. I've been lost. My dad, my uncle, my cousins to cancer, and various friends. Uh, it's brutal, isn't it? Brutal. I, I could swear, but I'm not gonna. Right. That's me running. We're talking about it. Uh, my, my mate that's uh, signed up to the hundred and talked me into it. I actually went and did his, a run himself. And I've chatted to a lot of. Uh, well, his run was the one that actually event, you know, with other runners and stuff which was probably nice, and a, and a map, and probably like, dot watching on 
GPXs and GPSs and all that malarkey. Right. Why am I talking about running things? It's a kayaking podcast. Uh, because I want to talk about this guy. Charles Walter Hart. Right. 100 years ago, today, Charles Walter Hart, at age 57, right, ran the 216 mile race, not race, by himself, ran 216 mile run from London to Liverpool. Did it in three days. Right. Now, by standards of today, 100 years down the line, that's not a huge distance for an ultra runner. I mean, it is. I mean, it is a huge distance, don't get me wrong. But people are banging out distances longer than that uh, in the last time. Oh, the similar times, you know. People are banging out 100 miles in a day. So to do 216 miles in three days is very conceivable. But this is 100 years ago. This is before, like, there was probably even a word for ultra running. <laughs> you know, this was just somebody going, out. I think they used to call it pedestrianing. I have a feeling it was, wasn't it called ultra running? It was called pedestrianing. And, uh, anyway, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about it because he went and did that thing, whatever you want to call it, that pedestrianing or the ultra run, or however we're going to call it. Anyway, 260 miles he did. And he did them in a pair of plimsolls. Right? Plimsolls. He didn't do them in some Nike Air Alpha Fly whoopy doopy shoes. He didn't do them in some innovative graphene made out of, you know, the stem for cat's whiskers and all that rubbish. And you can find the references to all this on somebody's website. You know, graphene is like mega strong and it's weighs as much as a cat's whisker or something like that. I don't really know. But he didn't do it in any of those high-tech malarkey. He did it in plimsolls. Right? That's insane. Insane, you know? He may have had silk underwear on. I don't know. Probably did. It's 100 years ago, isn't it? Right? And he probably had lard. <laughs> he probably had bread and dripping and did it in plimsolls. I would imagine he had no isotonics, no tailwind, no salt tablets, right? But plimsolls. Last time I wore plimsolls, I was at infant school, climbing a gym rope. Right? If I, my American listeners, right, I'm really sorry, but you, I don't think you know what plimsolls are. Uh, plimsolls, rubber bottom shoes. Uh, my recollection of plimsolls is that they smell like Childhood sweat and disappointment. <coughs> Excuse me. They're always black with like an elasticated top. And I'm pretty sure you used to get white ones with laces as well. And they're like a rubber bumper toe. They're the ones I remember. Like a boating shoe, like a cart shoe. American cart shoe, not a British cart shoe, because a British cart shoe is slightly different. It's a ladies' thing, isn't it? Right. Why is that really important? Because it kind of is, isn't it? Because over the last 100 years in running, we've all bought into this, we need ultra deluxe, you know, wiki, amazingly cool shoes that cost us 100 quid to 100 quid a pop. I still run in zeros. And uh, not for me 50Ks, so that'd be foolish. Well, it wouldn't be foolish, because I did a 50K in a set of zeros. Uh, but I don't anymore. I, I max out, I tend to max out at a half marathon in my zeros these days just because I have a life. Um, for those that don't know, zeros are 
if I say minimalist shoes, I think that overstates them. They're like three mil rubber and bootlace. I do half mountain in materials quite happily. But I don't go much further. Minimalism. Like Haranchi sandals is what they are. But why am I talking about this? Right? I'm talking about it because I think it's about my I think it's more marketing. Oh, I'm just knocking me uh, just knocked a flower pot over. Anyway, I'll clean that up later. Okay, it's about marketing really, isn't it? And comfort. I mean, I'm sure that there was a lot of pain and like muscle damage and probably a lot of damage running around in plimsolls, right? But that distance still outstretches most people that will ever go for a run. Ever. So why are people spending a few hundred dabs on a set of shoes to run around a park? Because we've got the money and we quite like the fact that we buy stuff. But we don't buy it from shops anymore, so we don't really support our local economy, do we? We buy it on Amazon or any other number of online retailers. And we probably buy them in the wrong size, but because we've spunked, like, over a day's wages for some people on a pair of daps, we wear them and then we end up with black and toenails and boost feet. Right. That's true, though, isn't it? It's also it's a bit of a status thing as well. It really is. I mean, my running shirts I wear are either freebies <laughs> or cost me three quid off from sale bin. I'm not a big fan of spunking loads of money. I have got decent shoes, but I, I buy them in the sale. And I think they cost me about 80 quid. Uh, the last two pairs of shoes. Last one pair of shoes I bought on eBay. 40 quid. Uh, and then I found a set in the bin. <laughs> I found a set of innovates in a bin. Yeah, I paddled the T's. And they were sat on top of this bin. And they were like, my size. Well, they're about half size too big, but I'll deal with that. That's all I don't mind. And then somebody gave me a load of shoes. So I've got more shoes than I need, really. And I can run in all of them. Or none of them. But what's the point of this podcast? Because I'm a kayaker and as I listen to your kayaking podcast and you always validate me, oh, you take the piss out of me. And then, but you're talking about ultra running. Okay, let's talk about kayaking. Let's bring it back to kayaking, right. Kayaking, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Right, kayaking, boats are expensive now. Plastic, dead dinosaurs, right? Boats are made out of dead dinosaurs. Dead dinosaurs are very limited, I would imagine. A couple of thousand years ago, got wiped, got wiped out, didn't they? Uh, none of them got on the ark, I think, and that's probably the problem. Right? So we loaded dead dinosaurs, and then because of that, we have some petroleum-based products and plastic. Uh, and then people, tend, because companies are there to make money, we bang out new boats with regularity. Some boats bang out boats quicker than others and some boats don't bang a new design out for 10 years. But, you know, we all know those brands and I'm not going to say which brands they are. When a boat comes out by a brand, it's the best boat on the market. Of course it is, marketing. And we buy into that, I say we, people buy into that. And they think they're going to be a better boater because of this new swanky new boat. Then six months down the line, or a year down the line, or whatever it may be, there's then a new boat comes out by the same brand, and that's the best boat on the market. Some boat that they made like a year before was not, it was like, it pales into insignificance. 
<laughs> and he was spunked 600 dabs on a new boat and a wheel down the line. Oh, you paddle it like a muppet and bounce it off rocks and drag it up car parks and split the arse of it. Or you swim and you don't have airbags in it and it wraps, you know, all those things. You know, you have boating shows. It's not very eco-friendly by modern dinosaurs. Now, let's be honest. Will the boat that you buy out of the store today make you a better paddler? Maybe. It may be do. It may be a bit more comfortable. It may allow you to boof a bit easier. Because boofing's a thing at the moment, isn't it? I remember when like boats were like short and stubby and turning was a th- was a thing. But now boats are long. Uh, longer boats. And we want longer boats of speed and boofing. We don't want shorter boats that turn on a sixpence. Right. Now you go back into kayaking history, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years ago, whatever it may be. You watch the pioneers on the Stikine. You watch the guys that have paddled down Everest. You watch the guys that did the Aaron or the Rio Baker. Yeah, or the Foo. Nindus. Watch what boats they're in. Are you going to be paddling that water in your new swanky boat? Right? Are those paddlers paddling harder than you're ever going to paddle? Will you ever reach the capacity and the ability of your new craft? I don't know. I don't know the answers to this. But I think it's highly unlikely that if you paddle once a month or twice a month that you're going to reach the capacity of the new boat you're going to buy out of the shop. You probably have a boat that you've not reached the capacity of. Okay? You probably paddle a boat. For example, you might paddle a Mark One Nomad, which when it came out was amazing, groundbreaking and bomb proof okay did loads of cool stuff palouse falls you know world waterfall record palouse it's on the stikine loads as a nomad it's done loads of expeditions around the world it's still local creeks it's a great book 8.5 i like it when the new nomad came out ooh, the dagger new nomad everyone was like oh, i prefer the old one or oh, it's not as good as the mamba or whatever well they bitched and moaned about it but you know it's just sort of lichen boats to previous models when they've got names. But let's be honest, Jackson boats, their Zen is a completely different beast now than its Mark One version. So the point I'm getting at really, we've got sort of going up a chance. Are you at the capacity of your boat? Will buying a new boat increase your happiness tokens? Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about happiness happiness tokens. We sacrifice hours in our life and our fun and our fun for comfort and happiness tokens, which we call money. Right? So we prostitute ourselves. Prostitute. It's not, not the right word, is it? It's almost like I'm reading something from a lefty liberal website here. Right. We sacrifice our time and our power and our intellect to get fun tokens. Right? Some of our fun tokens we have to spend on boring stuff like electric and food and rent and mortgages. Okay? Some of our fun tokens we spend on fun. For some of that fun, we have to buy stuff. Going back to the boat at 600 quid or whatever it is. Do we then get, or can we qualify the amount of fun we will get updating our 10-year-old boat to a modern boat or a 5-year-old boat to a modern boat. 
can we quantify the fund against its financial sort of balance, checks and balances? I don't know. I can have loads of fun in a 50 quid boat, right? I can have loads and loads of fun in a set of trainers I found in a bin. It's food for thought. Now, I know, before you all have a go at me, I know modern boats are safer. I get it. Just like my modern shoes, right, are a bit more comfy. And the laces don't fray as quick, you know? And they don't pinch me a little bit. But on the, on the whole, as long as I've got a boat that is safe, floats, airbags, outfitting. Not even outfitting. I probably the top off, for goodness sake. I don't have any outfitting. Right? As long as it's got the stuff it needs, I'm happy with that. We all say as well, as your old boat, you're going to delaminate, uh, not delaminate, uh, UV thing. Is it going to break because it's been in the UV? Yeah, possibly. Right? But if it breaks on me, it's 50 quid or 100 quid or whatever. It's not 600 dabs, is it? Right? And we talk about end grabs. Has it got the safety features? I've just seen a brand, brand new brand doing that, a brand new boat. So they've got two end grabs on it. Well, obviously, there's only two ends to a boat, isn't there? But we've come to the sort of uh, reasoning that we need more. We need at least one behind the cockpit, if not two, for swimmer rescues. Now, how many times, really, have we rescued people by getting them to grab the back of our boats? I don't know. I mean, let's be honest, if somebody's like holding on to the, the two back bars behind the cockpit and you're trying to swim them, they're going to wear, especially if it's a slice of stern, they're going to wear you down, are they? And you're going to be doing that, this big sort of stern move on the rescue. It's way better, surely, for them to be closer to the centre of the boat and closer to your the back of your buoyancy than it is dangling off the back of your boat. Unless they're dangling way off the back on the last end grab. But these are just the thoughts of a Yorkshireman that looks like a homeless Santa. You, you are allowed to disagree with me on this. I mean, just because I got a podcast, I'm going to say I'm right. You know, if I don't, you know, I'm I'm very rarely right about stuff. You know, and when a podcast, when you talk about a podcast, you do tend to talk as if it's an absolute. You know, and I think you know, as we've said before, like only Sith deal in absolutes. But yeah, that's the nature of the podcast, isn't it? Right, back to these trainers. Right, back to these trainers. Right, so Charles Walter Hart in his plimsolls, 100 years ago. Rob Roy in his boat, right? I can't, I'm not even going to put a date on that. 100 years ago, I guess, if not more. Somebody just tell me, I've not Googled it. Not Googled, I shouldn't need to Google it. I should know this stuff, I don't. Rob Roy, tell me when he was out exploring, right? Tell me when all these people that lived in, lived in countries, hollowed out trees and made skin boats and, you know, bamboo rafts and all that. I went exploring and did some amazing stuff, right? Before we had social media GoPros and validation from your peers and instant gratification of heart emojis. You know, what black had her? You know, did he have a 16-foot Letman when he soloed the Alsec? I mean, his paddles were probably like 2 metres 20. He had a bottle of vodka in the back of his boat. Let's not go down and talk about Walt. But we can, we can talk about, you know, like, fun factors, can't we now? And we can talk about marketing and buying into it. And does it make you a better boat? Or does it make you a better runner if you've got swanky shoes? 
me, I, I don't think it does. I, I feel they're conscious, you know. I feel like, was I good enough for that product? You know, I feel conscious enough when I've got a set of innovates on my feet because I don't feel I'm good enough for a set of innovates, even though I've just spanked out this 100k, right? Because innovates are like the pro shoes, aren't they? Damien Hall wears them. And uh, I'm not a pro. I'm just some bloke that goes out and takes a piss. Similarly, you know, I'd never... I feel a bit conscious like this, swanking your boat out of the wrapper. I've paddled brand new boats out of wrappers. I've unwrapped them at Putins. Uh, I just feel a bit conscious about it, like I, I don't deserve it. But that's because I don't validate myself, I imagine. Just some respect. Right, I've wrote all down. 20 minutes. Flew by that, didn't it? Okay, are you guys have a, good, have a great week, right? Balance out your fun tokens. Okay, I have a friend of mine. I'm going back into friends of mine, not a friend. I have friends of mine that have got kids. And uh, they were big, big hardcore kayakers before they had kids. Uh, and now they've got the same boats that they had before they had kids they've not updated because their fun tokens go on their kids. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Because it brings a new generation. The kids got better boats than they have. The kids got better paddles than they have. Uh, because they're still using the old stuff and the kids are developing and learning and getting products that are right for them as they develop and grow. And that's amazing. You know, and getting your kids into kayaking is an amazing thing. I'm going out with a group of kids at the weekend, coaching them. It's an amazing thing because it teaches them, you know, failure is okay. Failure really is okay, you know. And, it, and learning is good. And having a laugh is a good thing. And uh, I think as adults, adults, we sort of forget that sometimes. We forget that failure is good. Because we're so used to doing stuff. Like we have a job that we might have done for years and years and years. And we're sort of competent at it. And then we get out kayaking <clears throat> that we may be quite new to the sport and we have a bit of failure. And we sort of beat ourselves up about the same as running, you know, people that don't do the PBs or whatever. Uh, and we beat ourselves up about it. But no one really cares except you. You know, it's all about fun tokens. But we tell our kids that it's okay to be Mickey resilient, you know, and get back up after failure. But then adults, we sort of beat ourselves up when we, when we don't do what we're supposed to do. And I think that's really silly. But we all do it. So take some time to look at yourselves, gang. Uh, take some time to pause it out if you need to. Like, if you feel like you're a failure, who thinks you're a failure? If your peers think you're a failure, get new peers, right? Because you, you're probably not a failure. You know, just get new peers, like, and paddle with people that support you. Because we all learn, we all grow, we all make mistakes. All of us do. You know, it's just part of life, isn't it? And some of us make mistakes that are, are pretty bad. And then we have to spend some time to assess it. And assessing is good because we're adults and we can do that stuff. Right. That was like my uh, encore, wasn't it? Right. Encore about <laughs> failure. I might do a podcast on failure. I'm sure I've done one on failure. Anyway, I'm going to now do some research for the Worlds because the Worlds are in Nottingham and there's loads of people training for the World Freestyle Championships. Oh, Stunt Boat Championships, as it was once called. Loads of people training for that. And some people will have trained for years and some people will be in the swanky, swanky new boats that are not even on the market yet. And we'll all think, ooh, we should buy one of them because that'll make us into world-class paddlers. But it won't really, unless we dedicate our lives to it and our soul to it and all our fun tokens to it. And we live in vans by the river, which is very promising. Okie-cokie. 
have a cracking time. Buy some shoes, go for a run, drink some tea, eat some cake. Uh, sun's out. I've got I've got a boat on my roof, so I might go for a paddle this afternoon. Right, toodle pips, everyone. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs>